If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it that, surfeiting, the appetite may sicken and so die. The immortal words of Shakespeare were an important part of Nutria's performing arts department. So important that I'm going to need not one, but two guests for this special episode. Laura Ebert Brenner is an accomplished musician, having performed internationally with the Montevani Orchestra and domestically with the Chicago Civic Orchestra, the Sarasota Orchestra, the Orlando Philharmonic, and for 19 years, Disney's Candlelight Orchestra. And also joining us is longtime professional stage actor, Tim Walsh. Both of our guests and your host are veterans of several of Nutria's annual Shakespeare productions. Laura, Tim, welcome to Nutria Performing Art Stories. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. That was such a smooth opening. And I, <laughs> I, have, to, I have to ask right off the bat, um, were you reading that? I remember you opening... I remember you opening Twelve Night with that, and I'm wondering if it was just right off the cuff. No, actually, or... <laughs> actually, I I did look it up, um, but I uh, I did I I did rememorize it. I suppose uh, we can and we can talk about my uh, challenges with that with Dr. Boyle later on, uh, as the as the time comes. But obviously, our show today is about Shakespeare. But before we get to that, I I want to at least briefly talk to both of you about how Nutrier and specifically how your experiences with the sort of professional training and apprenticeship environment that the performing arts department had in our time, how that prepared you to go on and do what you've done. So Laura, let's start with you. You spent most of your life as a professional musician. How did your experience at Nutrier prepare you to, to do that? Well, I would say that it started with um, Stanley Ackerman in orchestra because he would, if we weren't prepared, he would make individuals stand up and play the hardest part of the piece by ourselves in front of the rest of the orchestra. And he didn't care about our feelings and he didn't care if we didn't feel like doing that. It was just, <laughs> this is what you're going to do. So you kind of get used to that. So you kind of after you know years of that, you really don't have nerves anymore. You know, it's just kind of like, okay, well, I'm just gonna play and whatever happens is gonna happen. If I mess up, I mess up. If I don't, great. Then I won't get yelled at more. But you know, it it really transfers into the professional world because, you know, obviously as a professional, you're not gonna get singled out like that, but you will get singled out as a group. So you get used to that kind of environment. And so it's just kind of like, okay, this is just the way we do things because we need to make it perfect. And I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot of the kind of feeling that the, what we uh, how, what we experienced at Nutrier was microcosmically a preparation thing. It was very much like what you'd experience. Yeah. Tim, you made a, you've, you've made a living doing what many, if not most of Nutrier's performing arts students were ostensibly training to do. I mean, you are a professional stage actor. How did Nutrier prepare you for that? Well, first of all, thank you. I would love to say that I've made a living out of it, but you know. <laughs> well, it's theater. <laughs> we all know pays, that. Right. <laughs> this yeah. industry pays so little. Um, I, I would I would mirror uh, Laura's commentary. I mean, you know, there was, um, you know, Suzanne Adams' very famous Dare to be Bad. Um, you, you prepare as best as you possibly can, and then don't leave anything on the table, get up there and do the best job that you can. Um, but more importantly, um, be with 
in the present, everybody around you, Laura, I can only imagine that as a professional musician, um, you know, an orchestra, any band has to be tightly knit and working with each other at all times. And people like Toby Nicholson and uh, Suzanne Adams really pushed for that. You know, you are you are among an ensemble um, and uh, to remember the people that you're working with. So that's, I mean, I think once you kind of get that under your hat uh, that you're all in it together, yeah, um, it really it, it really brings out the best in you um, and can be the best in your performance. So you mentioned, uh, everybody mentions, and Suzanne Adams, who comes up in literally every single one of these podcasts for, for very good reason. But you also mentioned Toby Nicholson, who also frequently comes up and was uh, was actually my first director. You Didn't you just work with Toby again recently, Tim? You just did a show with him. Yeah, I did. Um, Toby uh, directs Christmas Carol every other year. And back in 2016 or 2017, he asked me to play Scrooge for his production. So I got to do that three Christmases in a row. It was such a blast. Peter Leondis joined us. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Dan McDonald was uh, was part of the cast. Um, Tom McHugh or Mike McHugh? One of the McHugh men uh, was part of it. Will Ryan, if you guys remember Will. But Toby still has... Um, a great uh, passion for all of us that were part of the new Trier department. And, and just, so just, he doesn't even, yeah. just curious, does, does he admit to having a picture of himself in his attic that's aging for him? Because <laughs> I think you, you posted a picture of him on Facebook and I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking, you know, he's gotta be, he's, he, he was, he, I don't remember what age he was when we were students, but he looks, his hair's a little whiter. I'll give him that. Maybe yes. a little white, a little, yes. but you look at his face. He looks exactly the same. It's not identical, identical. Um, wow. <laughs> although, um, he, uh, during COVID, I didn't see him for 18 months at least. Um, and when I saw him, he had this long scraggly hair going. I mean, it was, it was, he looked like a Dickens character himself. He looked like Scrooge. <laughs> I thought, Toby, you got to play Scrooge next time. Um, but, uh, but no, he, he and Juanita, he, his wife, uh, timeless. They both look exactly as they did in 1980. That's amazing. I, something about the, something about working in, in the arts and doing something as you love, something said to be said for that. Absolutely. Uh, Laura, I'm going to give you the next question first as well. Laura, what was your favorite production experience at Nutrier and why? Oh, uh, I have to go with Twelfth Night. There was a lot of them where I was in the pit, but I have to go with Twelfth Night because that time for me in my life was so hard. My parents had just announced that they were getting a divorce and I was grounded for trying to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so... <laughs> I Which you did I, frequently, as I recall. Yes, but, but I got <laughs> caught this time. And so um, I was grounded for the next six months. And so I decided I was going to get every single play, every musical. <laughs> I was going to play in every pit. So they had to drive me to rehearsals. So I loved that we had a week of table readings. I was like, yes, get me in there. Get me out of the house. Oh, sorry, mom and dad. I need a ride. I gotta go, but we had we had such a good cast, and we were just we were genuinely friends. You know, the yeah. fact that we're still friends today from then is kind of amazing. Says something. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. Tim, same question for you. What was your favorite production experience in, at Nutria and why? Uh, I, I, I have to go with Cyrano, which we did my junior year, your senior year. Senior year. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, it, was, it was such a large cast playing so many fun games, period piece. Uh, people in the people in the show that I didn't really see in theater. I mean, Phil Clement, who was our class president, was in the show as well. But I, Howie Melham was somebody I'd never seen before. Turned out to be one of the funniest guys ever. Um, and of course, when you see Jim True do anything or when you watched Jim True. Jim True, Rain Wilson, and Stacey Granius in the big three roles. Yeah. And Stacey Granius. Correct. Um, just fabulous. You know, it was just a great great experience but uh being all together that was so much fun and phil clement i wasn't going to tell this story but since you mentioned phil phil and there's six weeks of fencing lessons that came along with that production as well that was a blast <laughs> but phil actually and one of the productions ran me through a little bit he stabbed me accidentally in one of the fight scenes <laughs> And it was hilarious because he could, it, the foil literally went through my costume and all the way down to wow. my rib. No way. Oh my God. And, and, the, and of course he is looking towards me and I'm looking out toward the audience and he can see my face and I can see his, the look of shock on his face when he missed his mark and actually stabbed me. <laughs> and, and of course, and, the, and it's right at the very end and the curtain goes down and I go, they, they take me downstairs and they open my shirt and my costume and I'm expecting, you know, blood or something like this. Right. And sadly, no, I've got like a red mark and maybe the tiniest little scratch. And I'm so disappointed. Aww. I was so disappointed. I thought, Aww. you know, there's gotta be at least some blood or something. Nothing. So no scars. Yeah, darn it. Not even a oh. scar. But anyway, that, that's Bummer. my Phil Clement story. And I get to tease him about stabbing me uh, all the time. Well, that was some of the fun parts about all of the all of the things that we did there. You know, whether it was, you know, mistakes on stage or um <laughs> you know, you you can't hit the right note at a, you know, in a, in one musical piece or anything like that. Yeah. I remember, was it Paul Bannis? I can't remember who it was, but coming down this coming down the grandstand. Um, at the um, at the Christmas uh, chorus concert, remember those mm -hmm. yeah. chorus concerts every spring, and I loved those. Um, but yeah, just like his feet came out from under him and fair. Right <laughs> we are talking with Tim Walsh and Laura Brenner on Nutri Performing Arts Stories, and we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back to have more fun. This episode of Nutria Performing Art Stories is brought to you by Gopto, a science fiction adventure story by Dwayne Burkhardt. The book has an average rating of 4.7 stars and is available on Amazon for $12.99 in paperback or just $4.99 in ebook format. To buy your copy today, just go to Amazon.com and search for the books of Dwayne Burkhardt. And we are back. We are talking with my fellow Shakespeare thespians, Tim Walsh and Laura Brenner. And it is time now in the show to talk about Shakespeare. And we can't talk about Shakespeare and Nutrier without first talking about the driving force behind every Shakespeare production for 34 years. And that would be the late, great Dr. Robert Boyle. And Dr. Boyle was on a lifelong 
crusade, I think is the only word that we could use to describe it, uh, to bring Shakespeare to life for generations of Nutrier students and, and audiences and just an amazing part of the school and, and the performing arts department. I want to start uh, this time. I'll start with Tim for each of you to tell me what you remember most about Dr. Boyle. Tim? Well, I was I was actually intimidated by Dr. Boyle when I when I first met him. Uh, I was just a freshman, and he was asking me if I'd be part of the Shakespeare production, and I didn't know anything about Shakespeare at the time. And you know, I mean, of course, as I got to know him better, he was uh, he was such a jolly, very kind soul. But at the at the very beginning, I, I remember being very intimidated. And when we did Twelfth Night, that is when. And that was my sophomore year. That is when I really got to know him because he connected to me on a much more personal level. And he was really, really supportive, understood what I didn't and could help me find my way and teach me to get my way there. He was just very, very kind and had so much to give. I think about the program itself. And I hope Shakespeare has continued on at Nutrier because to have an arts department that robust and not teach the fundamentals and the classics um, would be a terrible shame, but he made sure that that didn't happen. And it was, and it was multidisciplinary too, wasn't it? Because it wasn't just the theater department. It was also, Shakespeare was an intimate part, I should mention this, a part of the English department at New Trier. I don't know what you guys went through, but I remember Romeo and Juliet freshman year, Taming of the Shrew sophomore year, uh, I think the Tempest junior and then, uh, oh God, I can't remember in a senior year. What, what the heck it was, but there was always one major Caesar. Oh, th there you go. Thank you. So every year there was a major Shakespeare play that we had to go, you know, intimately through as well. So Laura, what do you remember about Dr. Boyle? I, I remember him explaining all of the humor of yes. Shakespeare and how like each level, like how, yeah, and how every single person could understand it. So there'd be like jokes for peasants and jokes for rich people and jokes for, you know, just regular guys, you know, and bar jokes and all these like nasty, you know, jokes for prostitutes, you know, and like all this stuff that's like, so every single person in the community could totally understand it and have something for themselves. And you alluded to that a moment ago when we were talking earlier about the table reads. His table reads lasted the first week of rehearsals, right? We were just, because yeah. every, yeah. every fart joke, yes. every, you know, everything that everything, we had to understand the nuance of every single line. And it just, he, it did. It took forever. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't allowed to. But it was a great history. Oh, yeah. It was a great it was a history lesson. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We, yeah. we weren't allowed to speak a word that we didn't understand. Right. You know, which is which I, I, I can honestly say, having seen Shakespeare uh, performed is not always the case. True. They, he made sure that we understood not just the script itself, but what. Shakespeare's intentions were and why. Yeah. Right. If you don't get the joke, we can, then nobody else is going to get the joke. So you have to get Precisely. it first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I, that that was the the table read thing was was something that was kind of cool. One of the there are two things that I remember. One, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the the uh, the even odd year thing because Dr. Boyle had this absolute conviction that Shakespeare was timeless, and he forced that upon us. <laughs> In an interesting way, in that in the even numbered years, Shakespeare was performed in the traditional Shakespearean time frame. And in the odd numbered years, he would go and pick an, a, another period in history and set Shakespeare in that time. And as, as we can all attest, you haven't really performed 
Shakespeare's As You Like It until you've done it in the post-Reconstruction Civil War South with a Southern accent. Um, that was really, that was a challenge. That was my first introduction to Shakespeare with Dr. Boyle or or Love's Labor's Lost in the Roaring Twenties Manhattan. Right, um, that's what it was. So, exactly. so really, it, it, that was one of the things that I remember. The other thing I remember about him, and 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 both of you can tell me if you remember this or not, one of the things that I liked about working with him was that he was not what I would call a particularly, you know, one of those collaborative director types in that he had a very specific vision of how he wanted the show performed. And we were sort of realizing the vision. And I, I liked that. I mean, he knew what he wanted, which I think is part of why he was so exceptional at casting the shows the way he did. Yeah. And he'd tell you, and then you, you did it. And that's, it was, I, I really liked that part of working with him. Yeah. Yes. There aren't a lot of directors or leaders who are, who are, you know, kind of steadfast in their vision, but allow you enough rope, you know, to, <laughs> to hang, to hang yourself. Right. <laughs> well, right. But you know, it's uh, it was, that was part of the fun and you know, he'd always bring you back to where you needed to be. Um, but it was, was good in a collaborative way in that, in that, you know, he would let you do it, explore it a little bit and then, and then tell you exactly what he wanted, um, which in some cases was just kind of a meld between the two. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I liked about, about um, the Shakespeare program was um, some of our better, I mean, we had, we had men like John Sherman up on that stage. I'm going to mention him later, but yes. Yeah. Beautiful voice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that was that he was the guy I looked up to my entire high school career. I was like, you know, God, if I could be like John Sherman, you know, look at this guy. He was just one of those exceptionals. And um, he just he was able to draw in some of the the, the smartest and, and, and finest talent for that for that program. Yeah, I agree. The casting was amazing, wasn't it? It just yeah. really yeah. that's that was something I think is is true. Well, we're reaching a point here where we're having so much fun that we need to take another break. We'll talk more about Shakespeare next time. So you are listening to New Trier Performing Arts Stories with myself, Dwayne Burkhardt, Tim Walsh, and Laura Brenner, and we will be back. New Trier Performing Arts Stories is a copyrighted production of Narratives Incorporated. It is written, directed, produced, and carefully edited to determine which words were to be or not to be by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information, or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at nutrierpadstories.com. And please join us next week for part two of our tribute to Shakespeare at Nutrier, including a retelling of what was literally the funniest moment of my life. Until then, parting is such sweet sorrow. But thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.